I'm Rory Green from XR Today, bringing you the latest in news and conversation from the extended reality space. Today we'll be discussing the steps required for establishing enterprise-wide XR adoption with the co-founder of Headroom, Sean Kior. Thanks for joining me today. Hi there, yeah, no, good to be here. Fantastic, thank you so much. So for our watchers, can you give a brief insight and background into Headroom and the work you do with your clients? So Headroom is a consultancy company. We assist uh, corporate entities who wish to use uh, XR technologies for collaborative purposes. So we are in many ways replacing or augmenting um, so t traditional um, video conferencing tools and enabling remote and distributed teams to communicate with each other in a, in a new way using the technology. And we see ourselves essentially as an accompaniment to that because it's, it's not a straightforward uh, thing to do. So we advise on which hardware makes sense, which software makes sense, and then also how to use it because um, it's not just a matter of sending someone a bunch of headsets and, and away you go. It needs accompaniment and that's what we do. Fantastic. So let's break that down a little bit more. Um, how does a consultancy firm such as your own help team members at all knowledge levels take part in Workplace XR opportunities from an enthusiast who knows the headsets that you are giving out to them to a team member who is perhaps less familiar with this immersive technology space? Right. So this is the important point. So initially, of course, the people who are using this sort of technology are enthusiasts. They're people who want to know how the headsets work and are keen to do it. But once you get into a real work environment where you've got a team of eight, nine, ten people, you know, the chances are you're going to have a lot of people who aren't necessarily enthusiasts, who've never come across the tech before, aren't particularly interested in it, and have yet to be convinced of the benefits of using it. And so what we always aim to do is to make sure that everyone is up to the same level of usage and they, they, they're used to using the hardware and the software. And that involves you know, quite intensive onboarding operations, getting people you know, how, how to put on a headset is, is the first thing, how to charge it, um, how to make, you, make sure you're wearing it comfortably. And then from there on, we do training sessions in um, specific uh, software um, solutions that are, are valid for their use case. So the idea is trying to get Sean, everyone up at the same level. Cool, fantastic. So within the onboarding process, um, I'm interested in learning a little bit more about the problems that enterprise teams are facing during the XR hardware and software onboarding period. Um, I imagine with each individual headset and each individual um, software that you are training these groups in, there are various problems. So how do you approach these commonplace issues when onboarding XR hardware and software to teams of varying levels, as you say, or varying sizes, excuse me? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, this comes down to us knowing the hardware and the software well. So we, you know, we basically support every, any, any kind of hardware that would make sense for a, a team like this. And we, we, we go through every single piece of software that could potentially make sense for a company. Um, and then we make a selection on which, which makes sense for this specific use case. And then it comes down to really addressing each individual user and seeing at what level they are likely to be at. So you'll find there are, you know, 10% will be like ready to go and, and basically experimenting on their own. And then in the middle, you've got like a, a, a section of people who are able to learn easily and, and keen to get going. And then at the bottom section, you've got people who are really not keen um, or maybe experiencing discomfort or something like that. And so we tend to focus very much to make sure that those who are experiencing discomfort or are not keen on the, on the whole thing, that we re give them extra time um, and, and help them to get into 
you know, the situation where they feel comfortable. And it's not just physical discomfort. It's, it's also the idea of um, this is technology I'm not used to. I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to look stupid. So we kind of take them out of the, the, the rest of the team and make them more comfortable with it all and get them up to a level where they, you know, they, they don't feel that they going to make errors and make themselves look silly. So that's the one bit. And the, the other bit is just to, to encourage frequent use. Um, because what you don't want to be doing is that, okay, so you've got the meeting coming up, everyone puts the headsets on, and uh, Sam has forgotten to charge his headset, because Sam was never that keen anyway. So we're we kind of encouraging them to use it frequently, and that's not necessarily just the collaboration tools. It would say, you know, go and play Beat Saber, or go and, uh, go and look at a, a Zen uh, VR tool where you can, like, chill out, or whatever it may be. But get them in, inside the headsets as frequently as possible, because you know, if you think about our usage of other technologies like the, like these things, for example, you know we're we're on them all the time, so we're very very accustomed to them, and people are not accustomed to strapping pieces of technology onto their faces. So we just encourage them to do that as frequently as we possibly can. Cool, fantastic. And as you say, to uh, help uh, enterprise team members get used to this hardware, there's various uh, games and other tools that can uh, assist. But you know, within that, there's a widespread of immersive solutions out there in the market for enterprise customers specifically. So how do you help your clients apply the correct enterprise-grade immersive solution? Or perhaps, as you mentioned, something like Beat Saber or a solution that isn't, wouldn't maybe be the first thing people assume that can help with introducing immersive solutions to um, an enterprise structure. But in, in that, how do you help enterprise clients apply the correct immersive solutions to their own corporate structures or use cases? So two things. One, one is it very much depends on the use case. So we have, we have client, for example, where it's, there it's over 40 people. The entire company has been put into VR, um, and they're distributed all the way across Europe. And, and uh, for them, certain software solutions, if they want to bring the whole team in, just simply won't work because some solutions have a, you know, a, a natural or technical limit at around about 30 people so if you want to bring in 44 then that already excludes a number of the solutions that would be available and then you have other uh, issues such as uh, what are the what how does the company that you're dealing with so the software company deal with privacy concerns and so on and so forth so we have companies that are providing tech that come from the states where you're not quite sure where the data is going to go or you have companies that are inside the eu where you know they adhere to existing eu privacy laws and so on and so forth so there are there are different elements to to that Plus, the other question is, what does the team want to do? So um, are we talking about doing a daily stand-up in VR, or are we talking about a team event with everyone involved? And it, lots of these different kind of use cases will determine which piece of technology makes sense. And in, in the end, frequently, it's not just one that's selected. It, it could be a few. So maybe you'll be in alt, alt space to do a big team event, and then you'd use workrooms for you know one-on-ones or a, a small team meeting. And we then will train them on each of those tools and show them what are the benefits and the, and the drawbacks to each individual solution. Are your enterprise clients satisfied with immersive hardware as a serious workplace tool? Well, it's early days, to be fair, um, and it's early days for the tech as well. Um, we're, we're coming to the point where the tech becomes viable for companies of different sizes, um, partly because of the fact that they're now mobile, right? So we don't need to have any uh, connections to PCs. We don't need to have lighthouses stuck up in rooms. People can basically, wherever they may be, if they're in a hotel room or in their office or in their kitchen or where, wherever they might be, can stick this technology on their heads and away they go. So th that makes the whole thing viable. 
Um, funnily enough, I think that of all the applications that are out there for particularly these mobile headsets, um, the collaboration solutions are the most mature. So there's a lot of stuff that's still in development, a lot of stuff that's coming along, but in, in terms of, of getting people together in a virtual room and enabling them to a, talk to each other, um, be creative, um, and potentially use specific tools, whiteboards, post-its, all this sort of thing, uh, the technology is actually really much further than many of the other technologies that are out there. So most of the companies that we're dealing with, for them, to be fair, it is new and they are learning and they're, getting, they're making their way along, but usually they love it, most of them love it, and also the employees love it. And that's partly wow factor and partly um, it's new and innovative and fun um, and it makes a difference. But I really do also think that it's um, the fact that the, the, the ability of VR tech in collaboration to create a sense of presence in a room with loads of people wherever they may be um, is one uh, essential factor. One of them is this idea of focus. So the fact that you know if you open up a video conference and then seven of the cameras are all off, and Julie's reading her Instagram feed and Tom is feeding the cat and no one knows what's going on, that doesn't happen in VR. You're all there. You're there and you're focused. And that's, you know, it's a really significant difference. And the third thing that's really uh, kind of important about it is, is this whole idea of building social capital. So the, the conversations that we've been having in kitchens next to offices about, hey, I heard you kite surf as well, where do you buy your gear? That sort of like off-topic conversation, which is building... Uh, links between colleagues that, that otherwise doesn't doesn't really happen. That is not possible on 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 um, video conferencing tools. It doesn't happen in video conferencing tools because there is a tendency in video conferencing tools to like have an agenda. You go through it. H have we got the yes? Have we done the yes? Uh, did you manage to yes? Ding 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 ding. And then everyone closes the conference as quickly as they possibly can because they want to get out. So any any of this social capital building just simply doesn't take place. And VR meeting in a room spending time with people, maybe splitting up into different groups and so on and so forth, is that much more possible. So it is a brilliant way of augmenting you know, existing remote tools. Are they satisfied with it? Yeah, I'd say so. And again, they're learning and they're getting better and, and the tools are getting better. So yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I like um, the thoughts on social capital and I think we can expand upon that for my final question for our time today, which is uh, how is corporate culture reacting to new and immersive methods of communication? Obviously, this is coming following the rise of hybrid and remote working conditions. Um, mm. You know, from your experience, obviously helping um, companies get involved with XR Tech. Are end users treating immersive solutions with scepticism or enthusiasm in this age of dispersed workforces? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll come up to the very final question first. Are they treating it with enthusiasm or scepticism? Both, I think. Um, there is enthusiasm, and again, coming back to what I said earlier, it's just like it's exciting for most people. Most people have never come into contact with VR before, and for them, funnily enough, of course, it's actually a very natural way of interacting. So this idea of we learned how to use a mouse and a keyboard, which is totally unnatural, but we did it. When you get into VR and you're, you're dealing with something in there, usually you're just using your body and your hands and your voice. So it's actually not very difficult to learn. Um, so once people can get over the possible issues they might have with, oh, I don't know about this, I've never done this before, I might look stupid, they actually love it. So there's enthusiasm there. The... Your point is right about the change in corporate culture in general, right? So pandemic has led us to being in a world where, A, employees are more used to, to working from home and actually find they quite like it, or some of them do, some of them might not. 
um, and B, employers are needing to look further afield for employees. So you are now creating a, an environment of much more distributed teams, right? So you have far, far more remote teams than you used to. And then we come back to my earlier point, which is remote teams work, but you're not going to have much in terms of creativity. It's actually a proven thing that productivity has remained the same with remote work teams, but creativity is sinking. And that has a lot to do with the ability to be like be in the same room with someone, spend time like bouncing ideas off each other rather than like ticking the agenda, which I mentioned earlier. So it's it's almost like a perfect storm for this technology as far as I'm concerned, because there will be a requirement and HR has is facing massive challenges now to find how can they glue teams together in this remote world work world that we're living in. Uh, if they are not coming to the office anymore, how do we make people actually, you know, bind not only to each other as colleagues, but also to their employers? And this is what, what in the past has always been done in offices or office spaces. So you've got your foosball table and you're, you're, you're playing ping pong or whatever, or you're talking to someone in the kitchen. That's all gone. And this technology does give us this massive advantage of being able to reignite that. So... Um, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's coming, and um, we're already uh, in in the, in the first steps of making it work. And the further technology goes, the more likely it is to be adopted. Fantastic! And it sounds like VR or at least immersive solutions could be, you know, that glue to unify um, a lot of corporate or dispersed corporate structures. And that glue may only be getting stronger, if that's fair to say. Correct. Exactly. Fantastic. So for those watching us today, what's the best way for them to get in touch or keep up to date with Headroom? So either go to headroom.zone on, uh, on the interweb, which still exists, uh, or um, follow us on, on LinkedIn. We're, we're available on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thanks for joining me today. That's it for myself. Get more XR news by subscribing to the XR Today's news channel and by following our social pages.